0: Sahana Sahana Hunaktu Sahavi the Mastuma, Let us read from the verse twenty. Kama istais tairshatajnana. devata.
1: devata.
0: niyama sthaya, niyata swaya, यो यो yam yam तनु भक्त है यो यो याम याम तनु भक्त है श्रद्धा Tasya Radhanami Hate, Tasya
1: Radhanami
0: Hate, Lavate Jatakaman, devān devaya-joyānti, devān devaya-joyānti, madbhaktāyānti mām api,
1: madbhaktāyānti
0: devān devaya-joyānti, madbhaktāyānti mām Those who worship the gods, they go to the gods. Those who worship me, they go to me. The idea is that you can ask for what you want, you can get what you want. What it means is that in our life the human being has a potential that he can get what he wants. If you want the limited in your life, that's what you will get. If you want the limitless, that's what you get. So here when Lord Krishna uses the pronoun I, it is in the sense of Ishvara. Ishvara who is Sarvatma, the self of all. Self, All the devata, self of the whole universe, he is one without a second, Brahman. So in that sense, Lord Krishna uses the word I. Now everybody is a worshipper. Everybody is a devotee of something or the other. And whenever we have a desire, and whenever we perform an action as prompted by a desire, we are worshipping something. The object of desire is very important to me. And in a way, I am worshipper of that. If a child wants to become a doctor, he is a devotee. is totally devoted to becoming a doctor and that does whatever is required to be done. And so, so whenever we have a certain goal or objective in mind, then we totally invest ourselves to achieve that goal. So we are devoted to the goal. And so you will achieve whatever it you are devoted to. And that is the strength that devotion has. A devotion means commitment. yogi shraddha the trust that it can be done, and a commitment to do that and that in fact actualizes or creates what we want. Thus, in fact, our own, by our own shraddha, bhakti, the devotion, commitment and the effort, essentially we are creating for ourselves what we want. We have created for ourselves what we are in the present as a result of our shraddha, bhakti and karma. With our devotion, with our trust or faith, with effort, we have created what it is that we are. So Lord Krishna says that you can become what you want, you can attain what you want. And so this word Ma A I when Lord Krishna uses the pronoun I, it is interpreted differently by different acharyas. As they said that Iskan comes from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They interpret this I as Lord Krishna. That is the son of Vasudeva and Devaki, the one who dwelt in Vrindavana. So that is what is meant. Others interpret I as Narayana, as Sarvajna sarva Shaktiman, And yet others, namely Shankaracharya, interpret this param So those who want me param I am available to them. Those who want some limited end, well that is what they will get. And next question is, Swamiji, but then you say that we should worship Lord Krishna, is it what it means here? Lord Krishna says, they worship other devatas and they do not worship me. Does it mean that, Lord Bhagavad-gītā prescribes that everybody should worship Lord Krishna? There is no āgraha, or there is no insistence upon name in the form its Ishvara. It is Īśvara. It doesn't matter in which form, which form I am worshiping. So, for Swami, my ishta devata is Ganesha, now he says, don't go to other devatas, what should I do? It is not what form I worship. It is what it is that I invoke from that form. When you worship Lord Ganesha, you can worship him as a deity to remove my obstacles or to make my start auspicious. Or I can look upon Gane, Lord Ganesha as nothing but Saguna Brahma, Sarvagnya, sarva or I can look upon Lord Ganesha as Nirguna Brahman. So it is up to me what I want to invoke. So all the forms that are given to us traditionally, then each form has a capability of helping us to invoke whatever we want. Therefore there is no agra, no insistence that only a particular form is effective. Whether it is our Ishtadevta, is Ganesha, is Nakshanamurti, is Shiva, is Anjaneya, Hanuma, whatever. If you recite Hanuman Chalisa, they will say, all devata, chittanadharai, hanumatsai, sarva sukha karai. You do not bring any other devata in your mind. Worship Hanuman and you will get everything as you want. So that is the kind of a devotion that a devotee has and that's what we should have. They always say that worship one devata. Don't go shopping and don't keep jumping. One devata, one mantra, one guru. Not to restrict us. But it is easier for our mind to relate. If we keep on shifting, then the mind cannot gain an abundance in any one of them. It is like digging in different places for a well and not digging big enough, you know, deep enough for any place. So, don't get disappointed. No, no, but Swami, this Narayana doesn't you help me. Let me worship Shiva. That doesn't you help me. Let me worship Ganesha. So we keep on digging this and never go deep enough. Ultimately, every Ishvara, as Lord Krishna says, Ishvara is the the very self of everything, and every deity also. So we are worshipping him, but indirectly. So number one, that we can invoke whatever we want from a devata, from any form. So, it is what is important is, what am I invoking? Even when worshipping Ganesha, if I invoke Ishwara, how is Sarvagnya sarva omniscient omnipotent? Yes. What I can invoke? Param Brahma is my very self. I can, I can look upon Ganesha as my own self, I can meditate that way also. So that is up to us. What is meant is, when Lord Krishna says, they worship, they should worship me, meaning that they should worship Ishwara as their own self. The highest worship is when Ishwara is worshipped as my own self, bheda bhavana, bhavana Ramana Maharshi says that instead of meditating upon Ishwara as different from myself, meditating upon him or worshipping him as my own self is always considered the best. That is remove every every ignorance and every product of ignorance. But that is not easy, and therefore we worship Ishwara as different from us. So worship generally begins by looking upon Ishvara as what we call nimitta as as efficient cause, as a creator. All the theologies present Ishwara as a creator, nimitta karam. And that is how, that is what everybody believes. doesn't matter what the books say, but basically what the concept that every, most individuals have about Ishwara is that he's a creator, sustainer, dissolver, up there. This is how we begin. So the worship usually begins in the realm of duality, when I look upon Ishwara as different from me, as omniscient, omnipotent, <coughs> omnipresent, as, as benevolent, and I seek His grace. I see. Then slowly my understanding of Ishwara becomes more mature, and then there will be recognition that not only is the efficient cause, He is material cause as well. He is not only the creator but he alone is manifest as the whole creation. then the relationship is that I look upon myself as part of ishwara because I am also part of creation therefore the relationship between ishwara now with being ishwara now changes formerly the total separation now I come much closer I am part of the Lord. and finally when my maturity even grows then, I say that Ishwara is neither material cause nor efficient cause. He is not the cause. There is no real creation. All He is is one without a second, unconditioned, transcending all the attributes. So ultimately worship is of the Lord beyond all the attributes, as my own self. So this is how usually the worship of Ishwara gains maturity. But we must Recognize that essentially everybody looks upon Ishvara as different from themselves to begin with. This question is always raised in satsang. Swami, you say that Brahman is my own self, then who will worship whom? As though Brahman is already his self, you know. So the question is asked as though that's... there is not yet become a reality. It's, it's, it's a possibility yet. But what is the reality right now? How do you feel about yourself? So I am a jiva. How do you feel of Ishvara? He's up there. Okay. Accept that. So whatever is our present level, accept that level and adopt a form of worship is appropriate to that level. No need of make-believe something which is not there. So all right, right now Dakshinamurti is different. medham prajñam Please grant me and prajñā. Please grant me intelligence. Please grant me wisdom. Please grant me prosperity. Naturally, he is different from me. I am a seeker and he is Ishwara is God. So this is all duality. And we accept it. That there is an experiential duality. And accepting that for the moment, we want to relate to Ishvara in realm of duality, such that ultimately we grow out of duality. Thus worshipping Ishvara is the way of functioning in the realm of duality, such that someday we grow out of duality. Growing out of something and growing into something, going out of this distance that I am feeling with Ishwara. But I accept the distance right now as I feel and make that as a basis of my worship. If I am intelligent, then I will not ask for any limited end from Ishwara. So whether I am a Sakama Bhakta or Nishkama, meaning that am I worshiping Ishwara for some limited, uh, fulfilling a limited desire, or I worship Ishvara for the sake of worship. So Lord Krishna, when he says that they worship other devatas, meaning that they worship me with desire. That means that even if you worship, even as Iskon says worship Lord Krishna, as long as you worship him in the realm of duality and for fulfilling desire, we are not invoking the whole Krishna anyway. We are invoking one part of him. If I want wealth from him, then I am only invoking only Kubera from him. He everything. Kubera is the deity, is the deity of wealth. So if I ask of Lord Krishna wealth, that means that I am looking upon him as Kubera. Whether I give that name or not, but that's what it means. I went to other devata, in a way. If I want, the, if I want my disease should be removed, you know. All right, you can. But that means that I am invoking only that aspect of Ishvara. So when Lord Krishna says people go to other devatas, it means that they only worship a limited aspect and they worship Ishvara with desire, fulfilling desires. Worshipping me means that the Nishkama Bhakti, worshipping me without any desire, expectation of desire. And that is the most sensible way of doing things. Rather than asking Ishwara that you please give me that, best way is let him decide. You decide what is good for me. Because so far I decided what is good for me and this is what I am. I am what I am as a result of what all I have desired in the past. I don't want to do that. I want to leave it up to you. You decide what is good for me. Thus a devotee leaves it up to you. That is called surrender. If he does not fulfill my desire, I did not need it. This is my trust. What is called faith in Ishvara is in his benevolence of goodness, is that if I do not get something that I wanted, my conclusion is not he did not give me. My conclusion is that I did not need it, therefore he did not give me. There is a trust or a faith that he knows what is best for me. If it doesn't come... Good riddance, it did not come. Thank God it did not come. That's what a devotee will say. Other fellow will say, Ishwara, what is your Ishwara, what is he doing there? He doesn't do anything. But as I say, it is not that the mother necessarily gives everything that the child wants. Do you give everything to your child? No, not necessarily. Child is sick and still wants candy. You don't give it to him. After uh, suffering from, uh, I just got up from an illness of three months, you know, from typhoid, and I want to eat uh, laddu, and they won't give me. These a papaya, Swami, this is good for you. No, no, I want laddu, but He gives me papaya, because papaya is good for me. In His best judgment He knows what is good for me. It's possible that they may be cruel to me, you know, in order to be kind to me, and therefore not fulfilling, not fulfilling our not fulfilling desire is not looked upon as an act of cruelty or punishment, they always look upon that as an act of kindness. Anyway, maybe I did not need it. Therefore it's not given to me. This is always giving benefit of doubt to Ishwa. Next question. The solid realm of duality. But best is not to ask for anything. Pesham, Satadhyokhtanam, Vajitam, purogam Dadami Buddhi Yogam. Lord Krishna says in the 10th chapter, when I find that my devotees are worshipping me just out of love for me, with no other expectation at all, then what do I do? I give them to my, I give myself to them, because I don't ask for anything. I give them the buddhi Yoga, the Yoga of Knowledge, by which they reach me, by which they know me as their own self. Therefore, this asking for something makes no sense. Alpa mayasam. People have only dull intellect or limited intellect alone. Ask for favor and ask for things from the Lord, and well, then they get it also. But best is not to ask for anything. It is my pleasure, my pleasure to please you, my pleasure to do it for this. That is how karma yoga comes. Karma yoga is performing an action out of love for action. Out of my love to help please you, I want to please the Lord. I don't want to please Him because He has pleased me all this time. Never, it is my privilege to please Him. My pleasure comes from His pleasure. Then that's a, that is called sattvic pleasure. A non-binding happiness is where it comes from happiness of someone else. A binding happiness is when it comes from fulfilling a desire. And the worst happiness is when it comes from somebody making somebody unhappy. So one fellow is happy because somebody else is happy. One fellow is happy because he is happy. Another fellow is happy because somebody is unhappy. Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. The best in our life also. The best way of gaining happiness is by giving happiness. Happiness is something to be given, never to be asked for. Love is something to be given, never to be asked for. Because it never, it is, it is myself. And by giving, I am not obliging anybody, by giving that, in fact, I am invoking what is already there. Just making a manifest. This is what Bhagavad Gita teaches. That's called yoga. So all that was taught. And finally, Lord Krishna says that, those who worship me, seeking no favor, nothing limited, then they get me. Mad Yanti Devotees, my devotees. My devotees means not devotees of just a given form, devotees of Ishwara. And what's the best devotion? Tell me. What is the best form of love? Not making any demands, is it not so? When do I feel best love? When who loves one who loves me makes no demand upon me? I have all the liberty. Really the best way to serve is to give them the liberty. Best to serve the Guru is give them the liberty. Whatever you want, fine. Have the liberty. Want to eat? Yes. Not eat? Yes. Here? Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Have it your way. So, but Swami, you will be taken for granted. Being taken for granted is devotion, that's all. But they will exploit you. Let them exploit. What is there to be taken away? This is a Bhaktala. I'm not suggesting you do this, but I'm saying that <laughs> this is what a devotee does. With a total trust that what, you know, Ishwara after all, he's always benevolent, he's always, uh, you know, he's my well-wisher. So serving anybody also is as best as possible, be as non-demanding as you can, that's all. Not making demand is the best service. (coughs) When Lord Rama went to Chitrakut, he we went to forest, then different people came to see him. Devatas came, rishis came, other people came, and then the tribes people also came, finally. Everybody always came and made offering, you know, this... So these tribal people says, say, Lord, we are sorry, we have nothing to offer. All we can offer to you is that we will not snatch away your bow and arrow and whatever you have. That's what we normally do. We snatch away, whatever that anybody has, you know, we will not do, that's our seva to you. That is great, you know. And so there are different ways of serving. And, but the right way of serving is making them happy. And when can you make somebody happy? When you do what they want. And in so doing, your wants have to be set aside. You can't want one more, but I will, and then... My want also should be had that, that is conditional serving. That I will serve provided such and such condition are satisfied. Okay. But Lord Krishna, the best way is unconditional surrender, unconditional acceptance of Ishvara. In his infinite wisdom, this is what he does, acceptable to me. All resistance to Ishvara, the only reality of life, all resistance goes away. To the extent the resistance goes away, that is what creates the distance. To that extent the distance also goes away. Let go the resistance, let go of the resentment, let go of those things. Accepting Ishwara, <coughs> <clears throat> thus those who accept me, they reach me. <coughs> but how come they don't do this? When it is so, then why don't people do that? Because of the problem that they have ignorance. Ignorance is a problem because of which people just miss the board, that's all. So Lord Krishna explains us several verses, following verses. Next verse is, avyaktam vyaktimā Parambhava majananta. Parambhava majananta. Mama vyayamanuttamam. In Vedantic tramelogy, we say this is vikshepa, superimposition. Avyaktam, vyaktimabhanam, manyante maam, abuddha. Abuddha. People who do not have buddhi, ignorant people. So, ignorant people, non-discerning people, non-discriminating people. Mama avyam anuttamam bhavam hai. Let me explain, what is abuddha. Hai. What is meant by ignorant people? What is it that they do not know? Mama anuttamam bhavam hai. Not knowing my limitless, changeless nature, which is greater than the greatest, the limitless the changeless not knowing me as such vyaktimapannam take me to be i who is object unmanifest limitless they look upon me as vyakt, as manifest as limited and nobody wants to worship the limited so here we are told how there is this superimposition taking the case of lord krishna himself you can interpret here Lord Krishna saying that, look, people think that I am just a Vyakti, I am just an individual person. <coughs> not, not knowing that I am limitless, I am changeless, I am insurpassable, not knowing that they look upon me only as an unlimited individual. <coughs> because I act as a human being, And I do what other human beings do. Therefore, they simply take me as another human being. (coughs) Mostly. There were some devotees of Lord Krishna who recognized him as Purushottama. Few. But people like Duryodhana, Sishupala, Kamsa, Dantavaktara, all those fellows did not give him credit for what even, what he was a human being. They looked, looked down upon him. That's one way of interpreting. Therefore, they do not, since they do not They look upon, no, they superimpose, or they look upon me only as a limited individual, not knowing what in reality I am, therefore they don't respect me. Or another way of looking upon that is, what is in front of me as is Ishwara. The limitless, the one appearing as money, the limitless appearing as limited. Ajananta, not knowing that, so earlier it was said, trivihī guṇamair bhāvaihi mohitam. Inasmuch as Lord manifest, has manifested before me, not in this costume the three gunās, sattva rajas, tamas. So, his manifestation is through this medium of the gunās. Like an actor manifests before us in a costume of beggar or something like that. And therefore, people who do not know him take him to be beggar. Treat him as a beggar. After the play is over, people go and give him a quarter and... So he said, look at these fellows, they think that I'm a beggar. Because he acts like a beggar. Therefore, people think he's beggar. So people just take what they see as ultimately real. They see the snake, they think that he's a snake. This rope is crying, hey, I'm a rope, come on. But they look upon them as snake. Similarly also, what is in front of us is Ishwara. But then, unfortunately, we look upon that as a world of diversity and disparity and duality. Or further, in fact, who am I? I am also nothing other than Ishwara. Limitlessness is my nature. Vyakti mahapannam. How I look upon myself as vyakti as an individual. So when I brand myself as an individual, as a doer, as an experiencer, as whatever, then what am I branding? It is param brahma. So Brahman the limitless which is myself is all the time branded by me as a limited individual. So Lord Krishna's avyaktam I am unmanifest, meaning that I am limitless and the very self of your being but they take look upon me as a Vyakti, as an individual take me to be limited. So thus Lord Krishna says how everybody essentially except a few enlightened people how, how do people look upon themselves as limited beings? Even though themselves are limitless, they look upon themselves as limited being. And therefore ask for limited things. So why do people behave the way they do? Lord Krishna explains, it is because of ignorance. Not knowing the true nature of their own self, therefore they take themselves to be limited. Not knowing the true nature of the universe, and therefore, they look upon that as a world of material pleasures. And not knowing Krishna, they look upon Him also as an individual. But why is it so? If you are the self, then how come they don't know? So next verse explains that. Nāham prakasha sarvasya. Yogamaya maya sama Yogamaya
1: samavutaha.
0: Mudho yam na Mudho Loko mama
1: jemavyayam.
0: Loko, ma ma Loko, ma ma Loko
1: ma ma
0: Naham prakaja sarvasya. Lord Krishna says that I am not evident to anybody. How come yoga māyā, Samavrata, hey you are my own self. And you say that you are asti-bhāti-priyam, you are self-existing, self-evulgent, always revealing yourself. Then how come I do not know yoga māyā, samyak samyakāvṛtā, very well veiled or covered, yoga māyā by my yoga māyā. On account of ignorance, what is meant by māyā is a projecting power. As you said, ignorance is the two aspects. One is veiling the truth, and second, creating an appearance of what is not there. So, first, what the yoga maya or ignorance does is it veils me the truth about myself that I am limitless and creates there an appearance of my being limited. Therefore, yam maam ajam najan. Therefore, they do not know me with their own self, with ajam, birthless. I look upon myself as subject to birth and death. I look upon myself as a mortal being, not recognizing that I am birthless. Avyayam, I look upon myself as subject to death. Avyayam, in fact, I am imperishable. So not knowing the true nature of one's own self, because of ignorance, Therefore, people take themselves to be contrary to what they are. So this 20, verse twenty-five, in Vedantic language, tells us what we call avaranam, not knowing the true nature. Lord Krishna, Lord says that, I am not evident, even though I am shining, I shine with very self in the hearts of all the beings, and still I am not evident as parambrahm, as says. Isha sarveshu bhuteshu manap prakāsadeh. Brahman is the self of all the beings and still doesn't shine as such, doesn't become evident as such. On the other hand, he as though becomes evident as a limited being. And therefore everybody takes himself or herself to be a limited individual. Takes others also as limited individuals. Takes the world as different from themselves. Takes Ishvara also as different from themselves it is nobody's fault. This is how the situation is. There is something called ignorance, because of which we do not know ourselves. There is something called projection, because of which we take ourselves to be quite contrary to what we are. Just as a rope is taken to be the snake, and so also the limitless is taken to be a limited individual. (coughs) But why is it so, Swamiji? I do not know. Why? Why should there be ignorance? Out of frustration then people ask this question, but why ignorance? No, no idea at all. No karma. Karma also is product of ignorance. Why ignorance? In fact this question is out of ignorance only. It is ignorance that causes this question. (coughs) If ignorance is not there, then this why would not be there. But why am I a limited being? But who says you are a limited being? Why is world like this? But who says it is like that? It is like a dreamer asking all kinds of questions about, why is it like this is a dream? Wake up, then you'll know what it is. Then these questions will not remain. As long as a person is dreaming, so long so many questions are there, And what can we say? We can only say that there is no reason, this is how it is. But when you wake up, none of these questions will remain also. So these questions remain as long as ignorance is. When ignorance is not, then the question also does not remain. <coughs> So Lord Krishna says that even though I am the self of all, I do not reveal myself as such because my true nature is concealed by the ignorance. And not only that, but I who is limitless is evident to everybody as a limited being and therefore everybody takes themselves to be limited. Everybody feels sense of limitation or lack or want, therefore their desires and therefore they also project upon the, the value upon the objects which is not there, then they desire those objects. And that's how this wheel of samsara goes on. Otherwise we would not be born. But the wheel of samsara goes on because of ignorance. Thus Vedanta explains that the whole creation is a product of ignorance. Why ignorance? Well, if ignorance is not there, you and I would not be here to ask the question also. But then ignorance is the cause of everything. <coughs> But that means that everybody is ignorant. How about you, Lord? This maya, which seems to uh, conceal everybody's knowledge, which seems to take everybody into a cast a spell upon everybody, that does it cast spell upon you also or not? Like that that's that demon Bhasmāsura, you know, his name was on Nishasura, I think. So this fellow performs a big penance, a surah demon, performs a huge penance and and pleases Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva appears before him. Says, so what do you want? What can I give you? I want to be immortal. That you cannot be. Nobody can be immortal. Ask for something else. He, every demon always wants to live forever. And wants to control the whole universe. So give me the power that whenever I, when I place my hand on somebody, head, said, that fellow will turn to ashes. Granted. Lord Shiva doesn't know what the consequences are of granting. <laughs> Ultimately, these Lord Shiva and Brahma they keep giving boons. It is Lord Vishnu, you know, he has to come in and set everything right because that is his job, preserving and maintaining. Order is the job of Lord Vishnu. These people, they are Brahma and Shiva, they, Shiva, they do not know. It's all right. So this boon is granted, and so then this fellow asks, them, all right, can I try it upon you, you know? <laughs> No, no, it's for trying on other people. No, but let me see. You are right there. Let me try. So that is how in, in Hindi is, Teri Billi Tushko Miao. heard that, you know? That is what happens. Anyway. But somebody can ask this question when well, Lord Krishna says that I am not evident to anybody, everybody is under the spell of the Maya. Next question can be Are you also under the spell of the Maya? Lord Krishna says no. That is called a magician who casts a spell upon everybody but himself is always free from the spell of the magic and so the verse 26 says <laughs> vedaham samatitani Veda samati vartamanani charjuna
1: vartamanani charjuna
0: bhavishyani bhutani bhavishyani Āmtu vedana kāścana.
1: Āmtu
0: vedana kaschana Vedaham I know samatītāni bhūtāni arjuna. Here Arjuna I know all the things that have gone by. Vartamanani bhūtāni. All the beings or things that are now. Bhavishāneja bhūtāni. And all that will come into being. Lord Krishna says, look, I know whatever was in the past, Whatever is in the present and whatever will ever come in future, meaning that I know all the three periods of time and whatever is in all the three periods, I am omniscient. So Lord Krishna clarifies who He is, from what level He is talking. From what level He is talking, Himself clarifies. I am omniscient. I am all knowing. Know the past, present, and future. So even if you worship Lord Krishna as such, then also it's okay. But if you, you Lord Krishna ultimately the avatar of Ishwara alone, and therefore he is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. So if you choose a form of Lord Krishna, if that is quite all right, if that suits you, as long as from that form also we invoke, the really, Ishwara, omniscient, omnipotent, because that's what he says here, that I am, I know all the three periods of time, maam vedana but no one knows me. I know everything, no one knows me. Meaning that everyone is under the spell of ignorance, but I am not. Like a magician, I always free from the spell of magic and casting spell upon everybody else. So the Lord Krishna confirms that no, the Maya is my power. I use it. Prakriti, swamavashtabhyaya, visiljami punah punah. Building my Maya, Prakriti, I create again and again and dissolve again and again. <coughs> All right, so there is what we call avaram, not knowing the true nature of the self. Viksheva, taking a self to it opposite of what it is. Not knowing that I am limitless and taking myself to limited. What does that do? How do we know that there is ignorance in our life? What's the evidence? First evidence is that I look upon myself as a jiva, as a limited being. And further, this sense of limitation, what does it do? So what is the grossest? So three levels of uh, obstacles that are told here, to knowledge. First is avaranaṁ, or ignorance. Second is vikshepa, the projection that it gives rise to, meaning dehāta buddhi, taking myself with the body-mind complex, taking myself limited. And thirdly, what does that do? So that is said in the verse twenty-seven. So we have to go this way, number three, number two, number one. So, this is the grossest manifestation of ignorance. As said in the verse 27. Pichadvesha samuthena. Pichadvesha samuthena. Dvandvamohena bharata. Dvandvamohena
1: bharata.
0: Sarva bhutani sammoham. Sarva bhutani sammoham sargeyanti parantapa sargeyanti parantapa iccha dvesya samuthena dvandva mohena iccha means desire or likes. Dvesha means dislikes. So likes and dislikes. Iccha everybody is born with a tendency of likes and dislikes. So this is the ultimate product of abhigdana. The first product is that I do not know who I am. The second product is that I take myself to be opposite of what I am, taking myself to be limited. And what that causes is dislikes and dislikes. Because as you said, the sense of limitation makes me a wanting being. I I find myself a wanting, lacking being, a needy person, and look upon the world as fulfilling my needs. So whatever promises to fulfill my needs becomes an object of like. Whatever comes in the way of my fulfillment becomes object of dislike. Therefore every limited person is bound to have likes and dislikes. Every limited person is going to be a needy person also. And every needy person looks upon the world to fulfill the needs. And as long as I expect somebody else or something else to make me happy. That's the main problem that we have. I want others to make me happy. I want others to make me feel comfortable. I want others to make me feel safe and secure. I want others to love me. I want others to make me happy. That's it. This is samsara, because this is a sure ground of misery in the life. All the misery is caused by this, that expecting the world to make me happy, the world the world is trying to make me happy, not that the world does not try. They try from morning till evening, From what can I do, this breakfast, everything they do to make me happy. But it's up to me to become happy, you know. If I have decided not to become happy, nobody can make me happy. Because happiness nobody can give me. What they can give me is breakfast, <laughs> table, nice, you know, mat, everything is nice, ice bowl and beautiful setup is there. Yes, they they can do. Bring the best one. Which cereal do you like? Okay. What kind of milk? All right. Breakfast. What will you have for lunch? In between ten o'clock, what will you like? Lunch or two o'clock? What do you have? Or four o'clock, six thirty in the morning. Everything is set up. The best car. Everything is there. That all comfort the world can give me. But happiness, nobody can give me what they don't have. Thus, my depending upon anybody else for happiness, for love, for comfort, that desire is doomed for failure. And that is what creates all ragadveshas. All likes and dislikes are created because I want others to make me happy. If they oblige me, as long as they oblige me, so long I love you, I love you, I love They stop obliging me, I allow you, allow you. That's what goes on. There is no consistency also. Now I like the very thing I may dislike. What I dislike today, I may like tomorrow. Therefore, the Mahatma has explained to us that never criticize anybody. You don't know who I will need tomorrow. You do not know who you will need tomorrow, so better don't criticize. You will need them tomorrow. And don't raise somebody to sky high, you know. Don't keep on praising and praising because you don't know what you will find tomorrow. And therefore just not be indifferent. At the same time, don't become unduly emotional. Because we, once we take a stand, then we receive no limit at all. Moment we like somebody, we raise him to a sky. Dislike somebody, you put him in the, you know, netherworlds, nothing in between. Just be objective that, okay, everything is, this is one face of a person. That doesn't mean it's the whole person. All right, the person behaves like this now, doesn't mean always behaves like that all the time. Oh, this is, this behavior is only in this condition, but in many other ways it is not like that. So we look upon a little part and judge it as a whole. So we look upon the part and brand the whole and then we like it and dislike it. Then we find other aspect, then what I like now I start disliking, what I dislike now I start liking. And so people also don't know how to relate to me, I don't know how to relate to world also, because it's all changing. (coughs) But dislikes and dislikes are a product of my need. What is the need? Need that somebody should make me happy. Somebody should love me. Somebody should make me comfortable. He's going to produce likes and dislikes. Sarabhutanis samoham sargeyandi parandaba. Here, Arjuna, all the beings. And all the beings human beings. It doesn't matter to other beings, but then all the beings are born with this ignorance. And therefore, looking upon the self as limited, looking upon body as a self, looking upon self as limited. And therefore, feeling wanting and lacking, and thus, always v- wishing that some the world should make us happy, and therefore, the likes and dislikes, which are a product of this. Even if I wish, if I recognize that, I would have to fulfill that wish by myself. Others can become instrumental, but ultimately, it is I who has to do. So, be clear about this. That happiness is something to be invoked from myself. The love is to be invoked from myself. The the only way to invoke it is by giving it. Give happiness. But Swami, you just say that you can't give happiness. How can you give? Make somebody happy. How do you make it? Do what they want. Make them happy. Take one person, not the whole world, start with one. And start, do one act. Just one act of making somebody happy. Just one act. And see the result. Then you if you are encouraged, two X. Yes, Swami, that was good. Two, three. Like one of our brahmacharis in India, we gave him the, the duty of distributing prasad. So every day the puja is performed. I used to perform puja. Prasad is there. He would distribute. He was the most welcome person, you know, because <laughs> when you distribute prasad, everybody likes it. That fellow also enjoyed that much, so much every day, prasad. One day I found that even everything was missing, you know. So what was, prasad is what you offer to the Lord. There's always talk of other things, you know, which will go tomorrow. Everything was distributed, why? Because you so much enjoyed that task. I said, hey, this is not. So when you do something and when you find somebody happy, you become so enthused that you want more and more of that. So real happiness is, it comes when you see somebody happy by your action. You feel really, and there is non-binding happiness. Because nobody will compete with you if you give. Competition is when you want, then everybody also wants, then there is competition and there is struggle. Nobody will compete with you when you want to give. And by giving I don't mean money only, give yourself many, what? Give a little kindness, give a little time, give something. If money is difficult to give, not keep it with you, but give something, whatever. Whatever I can give. So many time I can give. Okay. Little good words, couple of good words. Just a little smile. That also becomes so difficult, So I can't smile at this person. Do that. Just little, vachanay ka daridrata. In Sanskrit said, why do you want to be daridra? Why do you want to be miserly with reference to words? At least be generous in the words. By performing that manas Puja, the men, worshipping mentally, as yes, Swami you explained yesterday. So in the olden days, Swami used to conduct meditation also, mental worship. Worship Lord Shiva, and give him the bath, and now these flowers, and offer him different flowers. So when you offer the, offer the best flowers. Don't offer, uh, you know, stale flowers. At least mentally when you are worshipping, then do the best, you know. Get the freshest flowers, you know, <laughs> best. When offering food, offer the best food, you know, why not? So similarly also, when you just have to talk, talk nicely. If you are to give, then it may be difficult, okay. In the part with something is difficult, difficult, then at least talk nicely, smile. Talk nicely, not that you just flatter everybody or whatever, but just be sweet, be kind. Just kindness and goodness, that's, we have plenty of that. Even if you have no money, nothing else to give, there is plenty of kindness and goodness to give. More we give, more we discover as the treasure in ourselves. That is called self-growth. Simply living a life of kindness and goodness. And discover the treasure house of goodness. That is Brahman. Discover yourself ultimately to be Ishvara. But what people have is Dvesh Raga and Dvesha. Because I want. And whoever promises to fulfill my want, I love that. Whoever comes in the way of my want, I hate. And that is how Lord Krishna says, everybody is born with this tendency of rāga and dvesha, likes and dislikes, attachment and aversion, hatred and attraction, running after something, running away from something. That's all. <coughs> bhutaani sammoham sargeyāntiparantapa. And that prevents us from being objective with reference to objects of the world. When now we relate to the world also with this tendency of likes and dislikes, then we are not objective. We always look at everything through the glasses of likes and dislikes. We already brand, we are branded. That's how we look. Never fresh. You know how I say that, look, this person came to you in the morning. Look upon him as a new person, not what was yesterday. I never do that. I already my 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 mind the picture is very close to that. But I never give him the benefit. Always that only. And but I'm changed. Swami, look at me, I'm different. No, I cannot look at you. you are, I know this is how you are. So welcome everything as a fresh and see. As something new. But our residual impressions always remain. And we always keep on branding and judging. Before a person even has a chance, he's already, he's already branded. We brand and hang. That's what we do. This is a tendency. So we have to recognize this tendency in us. That's all. Before doing anything, let us recognize. Do I have rāgadvesha? Otherwise it all remains theoretical things. This is all nice intellectual learning. But when I look at my own mind and various thoughts and tendencies arising and then I say, hey, this is called attachment. This is aversion, this is anger, this is partiality, See, I am partial to this, cruel to this. When we recognize these tendencies, secondly, recognize whether that does any harm to me or not. If it doesn't do harm, keep it with you. Give up, Mahatma says that, give up that which is cause of unhappiness. What is cause of unhappiness? Arjuna therefore wanted to give action. Hey, action doesn't cause unhappiness. It is attachment that causes unhappiness. Give up attachment. You give up action, retain attachment. That means that you've given up what you could, you know, the sadhana is given up. So it's attachment, Is dvesha that are causing this pain. Let us recognize them and also see whether or not they are painful. They cause any harm to me or not. If I discover that, yes, being partial, being cruel, being attached, being uh, having aversion, Oh, look, this is hurting me. Anger is hurting me. Greed is hurting me. Jealousy is hurting me. Then alone there is incentive to give it up. Otherwise nobody gives up anything. Everybody knows that to speak truth is right and speak false is wrong, but everybody keeps on doing anyway because nobody recognizes that speaking false means unhappiness. That is not that equation, is not there. Sin happiness only comes from money, not from speaking truth. Therefore, we always choose money instead of truth. It's only when I recognize that speaking false is hurting me, when I, the value of value is recognized, then only no, the value becomes valuable to me. Until then, it doesn't become valuable. All this, what is being taught here, becomes relevant to me when I see its application in my own life. What the teachers do for us is to try to make it as clear as we, as possible, with reference our life. But still, this does require to be translated in my personal life. They talk of ignorance. Do I have ignorance? They talk of this wrong perception. What is my perception? Do I have likes and dislikes? So when I recognize that, yes, this thought is called dislike. This is like, this attachment, aversion, and this is what it does to me. It, it deprives me from being objective, deprives me from a healthy relationship. So relationship with likes and dislikes unhealthy relationship. Most of my relationships are unhealthy. Either I favor somebody or reject somebody. So therefore, first then value is what? Becoming free from likes and dislikes. How do we do that? Next verse tells us that ye tvantagatam papam jananam punya karmanam
1: punya karmanam
0: te te pāpam andagatam. So what was said icchā dvesha in the previous verse is called pāpam in the next verse. This rāga dvesha, any action that I perform as prompted by rāga and dvesha is going to be a pāpa karma. Anything that I do as prompted by attachment and aversion is going to involve some, it is going to involve, it will hurt somebody. When I'm attached to somebody, I'm going to be cruel to somebody else. Attachment brings about partiality. This side, our, you come, you don't come. Attachment meaning being partial to one, automatically being cruel to someone, hurting someone. Aversion, of course, when I have anger at somebody, that is directly hurt. But even when I have attachment for somebody, somebody else is deprived of the right, Violence is there. So whenever any action is performed, is prompted by raga or dvesha, attachment or aversion. It will be, there will be lack of fairness. I cannot be fair, I cannot be just, when my action is prompted by attachment and aversion. Somebody, to somebody I am unfair. Somebody's right is trampled upon. Violence is involved. There is papa. So it is Pāpa that has caused Rāgadveshās, and Rāgadveshās keep on causing Pāpa. So we have to reverse this whole trend. We are born with a trend of these likes and dislikes. <clears throat> there is no choice. Sammoham sargeyāntiparantapa, right from the birth itself, or from the beginning of creation we have so When did this begin? But I was born with Rāgadveshās, in this birth why? Because of past birth, but then because of a past birth. but. So, for the first time what, what about that? When I did not have Ragadvesha? No first time. It's just, this is how it is. There never was a time when I was free from Ragadvesha. There's no beginning. It is, this is how it is. We are born. So there is a tendency. We must deliberately reverse the tendency. So self-growth has to be deliberate. It will not take place by itself. If you live things to our tendencies or vasanas or, or samskaras or, or habits or then they will always control us. We will take a law in our hand, Drabdrata, Drabdrataha, people of firm commitment, people of a commitment to self-growth, people of a commitment for freedom, people who recognize that the bondage is being controlled by my likes and dislikes. That is a the bondage. There are compulsions, inner compulsions. I'm not free. Even when people think that they are free, they are highly bound. People today think that we are free when we can do what we want today. That's all. But are you really free? You are free as far as somebody else's control is concerned, but you are controlled by your own impulses anyway. Your own mind compels you. Therefore you want to do so. Freedom without responsibility is license. It's not freedom. But that is the kind of freedom everybody wants today. Freedom means the freedom to do whatever I want to know. When not accompanied with responsibility, that freedom becomes a destructive li- It becomes license, becomes hurtful, becomes destructive. Dhudavrata, recognition that really it is my inner compulsions that make me bound. Bondage never comes from out there, bondage always is in there in the form of the likes and dislikes and then further in the form of superimposition, then further in the form of ignorance. But first we deal with the likes and dislikes, then deal with the ego, and then deal with the ignorance. That's the Krama. When Lord Rama is fighting a battle with Ravana, Ravana is the last one to be killed. First of all his army comes, and then all his warriors they come, and then his senapati, you know, the, the, the commanders they come, and finally he comes. So all these fellows are the army, Rāgadveshā, army of ignorance. Ego is a, aham mama is a commander of ignorance, you know, and then comes ignorance. It is not possible to right away attack their ignorance as long as all these children are with us. you know, and so, uh, first of all, therefore, get rid of this Rāgadveshās. vrata, when can it happen? When my vrata or vow or commitment is firm, that this is what I want to do, this is what I have to do. When the value of value is recognized, when the value of becoming free from Vrāgadveshā is recognized, then alone my vow or vrata becomes firm. Otherwise our vow does not become firm. Nothing is firm. swami I have decided so many times, every morning I'll get up and do yogāsana, one hour. it for three days. Fourth day, forty-five minutes. Third day, thirty minutes. Fourth day, fifteen minutes. Fifth day, five minutes. Sixth day is gone, once and for all. How do this japa and this meditation? Nothing lasts. Why is it not? Because the value is not recognized. I want immediate results. Swami, I did yoga for fifteen, nothing happened to me. I went in japa for one, nothing happened. Doesn't matter whether it happens or not, do it. Because this is bhavaroga, this disease of samsara is a very old disease. It is not a new disease. So Ayurvedic physicians tell us that the, the treatment should last in proportion to the length of the disease. <laughs> if I go to the Ayurvedic physician, they ask, Swamiji, since how long have you been having acidity? Since fifty years. Then for fifty months do this medication. Fifty months? That is what will take. I want result in fifty days. I, if, if I had my child, uh, in five days I want results. result. Then go, to, go there, not here. This is a Vedantic shop is Ayurvedic shop, you know, not a quick fix shop. Because what happens is in five days it goes away in some, it goes away from here and comes in the stomach, goes in stomach and comes in the ears, it goes in the ears and comes in, in somewhere, you know. Vedanta doesn't want that. Ayurveda doesn't want that kind of stuff. Dravraqa. Therefore a firm, a vow that comes from understanding from viveka, from discernment, not from just being fanatic about something. Vedanta always wants viveka, he always wants discrimination, wants understanding that the vows that I take also should come from understanding, from him he recognizes the value of following this vow. So the only com- commitment is self-growth, that I want to bring from myself, I want to bring, make evident from myself what is my true nature. That love is my nature, goodness is my nature, kindness is my nature, wholeness is my nature, happiness is my nature. And I'm committed to bring that to manifestation. As we said, the only way to do is by performing act of kindness, by performing act of goodness, by performing act of love. Give this way. Perform an act of love. Hmm. Fake it till you make it. But Swami, love does not come. Kindness doesn't matter. Do what you would have done. Had you been kind, what would you do? Do that. Physicalize the desire. Even if the, still, even if the spirit is not there of kindness, it doesn't matter. Physicalize, at least you want to be kind. Physicalize. Swami, there's no devotion, I'm sitting in front of you, in Dakshinam, nothing happens, don't worry. Still recite the names. Still bow down. Still chant the prayers. So just as the spirit brings about action, action can bring about spirit also. That is the Hatha Yoga part, you know. Vedanta begins with intellect, and then wants to correct everything. Hatha Yoga begins with body, you know, and then what? That's also okay. Vedanta addresses our intellect, understanding, because that governs everything, and then wants to correct everything through that. But that seems to be very difficult to some people, so you start with the body and then go to understanding. Here also, if that spirit is not there, start with action. And someday, slowly that spirit also will be invoked. Punya karma, that's called punya karma. What is punya karma? What is the virtuous action? Is act of kindness or goodness or act of love, act of offering, act of charity. Any act that is performed which invokes the wholeness and goodness from me, that's called Punyakarmanam, on account of doing this for a long time, how long Swamiji, bahunam, janma, I do not know. So, aneka janma Siddha. performing Punyakarmanam over a number of lifetimes. So have patience. How many lifetimes? This is only lifetime. We are not saying that, but then have patience. Do what is to be done. Karmanivadikāraste, maapaleśukadāja, there also. In this also, then let us not expect results right away. Swami, nothing is happening. Keep doing. Keep digging. Nothing, water is not coming. Keep digging. Water has to be there in the earth. But fifty feet, continue. Hundred feet, continue. Five hundred feet, continue. Seven fifty feet, you got it. All right. You know the story of these two devotees. Seems that one sage, Nārana, was going to Vaikuntha, and he has a free passport to go everywhere. And so, once he was going, and on his way, he came across an ascetic performing penance and the uh, Narada stood, stopped there and talked to him and said, Oh, you are going to Vaikuntha. Please do me a favor. That's all. Please ask Lord Narayana, when am I going to be released now? Mm. Okay, I'll ask. That's devotee A. On the way again another devotee B, he also requested, please, please ask from Lord Narayana, when is the last, you know, when am I going to be released? So then... Um, Narajji visited Lord Narayana and came back and then saw that devotee number B. He says, Lord Narayana says that you will require only three births to become free. Three births here." and went to the second one. He says, Did you ask Lord Narayana? What does he say? He says, Well, you know you're sitting under the tree. You know how many leaves are there? As many leaves are there, as many births you will require to become free. Oh, thank you very much, that's all. I will be released finally, isn't it? It's a matter of attitude. So it has to happen. Some, it has to happen. Because it is my nature, nobody can deny the truth. When I satyamaya when we are wedded to the truth, it cannot be denied. Thus, when I am wedded to the truth that I am going to act out of my goodness, then it cannot be denied because it is my nature esyam, tvantagadam pāpam, jananam, punyakarmanam. All those people who are given to the virtuous actions, as you said, action called punyakarmanam, action of kindness and goodness. Antagadam pāpam. So every act of kindness neutralizes some tendency, every act. Every act of kindness neutralizes some tendency of cruelty. Every act of love neutralizes some tendency of hatred. Any act of charity neutralizes some tendency of greed. Has to. And thus I keep neutralizing. Dvaravratah. I don't necessarily, again, this is not result-oriented. This is what? Process-oriented. Oriented not toward result. Performance orientation, Lord Krishna doesn't like that. Do what you need to do. And thus Every time, as I said, I perform karma, some tendency of pāpa is neutralized. In course of time, antagatam pāpaṁ. This papa ragadveshas antagatam, they come to an exhaustion, essentially. Te dwandva muktaha. Then they become free from dwandva of likes. Dvāndva is pairs of opposites, of likes and dislikes. You know, how do we know that we have likes and dislikes? One test of attachment and aversion that we have. When there is attachment and aversion, then they are like the buttons. World can push the buttons. And when I find myself reacting, oh, with elation or depression. When I find myself reacting, understand that the raga are there. They are the buttons. De dvanva-mohanir-mukta. That is the reason why the conditions of the world keep on impacting us. There is no peace of mind. Because something good happens, then also I am disturbed with relation. Something undesirable happens, then also I am depressed. I never have that balance of mind, always impacted by the events of the world. And that is the nature of the world. You keep on coming up with, you know, like the wheel, you know, the rim of a wheel goes down and up. That's how the situation will keep on for anybody, even swami and no swami. Everybody is to face, that is how the world is. And if I keep on responding and being controlled and dance to the tune of that, I will always find myself dancing, never studying. But as Ragad Vishas go, I find myself more composed. I am able to compose, I, I find myself more composed on the face of changing situations. Nityancha samachit tattvaṁ iṣṭhā whether desirable or undesirable, I find myself maintaining the calmness or poise of the mind. That is when the bhakti arises. It is ragadveshas, the that deny the devotion. It's all there in us, but ragadveshas, because of that, the heart has become, hard. has become so, so uh, hard, you know, like stone, <laughs> therefore there is no softness, no tenderness left there. So slowly the heart becomes tender. And then the bhakti of the devotion of the Lord arises. Bhajandema. So far they were worshipping the world, now they start worshipping me. Drava Vrataha. And then this Vrata, that Bhagavaneo, Bhajaniha, it is Lord alone who is worshipped. And that's what I want in my life. That Vrata also becomes Dharada. That I want nothing less than Ishvara. That Vrata also, that vow also becomes firm. And with that firm vow they worship me. What for they worship you? What do they get out of that? The next verse tells us that. Jara marana mukshaya Jara Māma shritya yatantiyye Māma Te brahmata vidu krasnam Te brahmata vidu Adhyātman karma chākhilam Jara Marana Moksha. Freedom from old age and birth. So what does the devotee want? He wants freedom. Freedom from what? Old age and birth. That's a representative. Old age also means pain. Birth means death. That is also pain. He basically wants freedom from pain. Freedom from sorrow. And Old age, etc., are associated with that, generally equated to sorrow. Nobody likes old age, because it's all dependence. You start forgetting, you know, you know, you, you can't remember things, and every time you know, can't hear properly, can't see properly, can't remember, and then slowly you require a third leg also. Nobody likes that. So meaning, jarama, freedom from old age and death means freedom from dependence. Freedom from inner compulsions. Freedom from outer compulsions. I want freedom. And knowing fully well the freedom comes by knowledge and not by any action, I become a jignasu. From artha, I become asārti. From that, I become jignasu. Jara amada maam maṁ yatanti yatantiye. Those people yatanti, those people who strive, So yatna, yatna means effort, striving. Those who strive with what? Shavanam, mananam, nididhyasana. So once the desire for knowledge arises, then one goes to the teacher, and subjects oneself to the teaching, and does what we call shavanam, listening to the teacher, mananam, removing all the doubts. This assimilating the teaching, making it my own, gaining an abidance in the knowledge. That also calls for yatnā. Formerly yatnā was in form of karma-yoga. Now the yatnā is in the form of shravanam manam, et cetera. mā Shitya. having taken refuge in me. All the time Lord is kept in front. All the time Lord is kept in the mind. Sarveśu Kaleshu mā munusmarā. Recognizing that it is His grace that does everything. That I have the desire for knowledge, that is His grace. I have a teacher, that is His grace. I am able to listen to the scriptures, His grace. I am able to think about it, His grace. I can meditate, His grace. All the time, Rakhma Mahashritya, always taking refuge into the Lord, the goal, keeping always the goal in mind, and recognizing that it is His grace that is doing it. Ye Yatanti, those devotees of the mind who exert themselves, strive, they they come to know that Brahman which is a which is Param Brahman the limitless Adhyatmam they also know the manifestation of Brahman at the level of the self they know Brahman also as the very self Karma Chakila they know Brahman also as the manifestation of the universe the universe is the product of karma so they know Brahman as karma also and last verse is sadibhuta sidaivam maam sadibhuta sidaivam maam sadhi yajnyam cha ye viduhu sadhi
1: yajnyam cha ye viduhu
0: prayana kale pishaman
1: prayana kale pishaman
0: devi duryukta chetasah ye vidur yukta chetasah sadibhuta sadhi devam maam viduhu See in the thirtieth verse, Lord Krishna is the pronoun "mam." In the twenty-one ninth verse, "te tad vidu, tat," they know that Brahman, and thirty they know me, meaning that that Brahman and me is one alone. So they know that Brahman know me, sadibhutam They know my many expression as adibhuta, meaning expression as the whole world made up of the five elements. So this elemental universe also is a manifestation of Lord. They recognize me as manifest as an elemental world. Adi Deva. The Devatas are what we call the presiding deities, the controlling forces. So this universe runs according to certain laws. Those laws are called Devatas. Different laws are called different Devatas. So they are the governing principles. We imagine devatās are in the heavens, that's the imagination, but basically these are all the natural forces. Therefore even the wind also is called devatā, fire also is devatā, and water also is devatā. All these devatās means what we call the cosmic forces, So they know me, my manifestation as the cosmic forces. So they know my manifestation as karma, as a very cause for creation, they know me as the creation made up of these five elements, including their own body-mind complex also, they know me as a very devatas, all the divine forces which regulate the whole universe. Sahad yajnam, along with the yajna, I am present in every yajna. So Lord Krishna says, I am present in all the bhūtas. Bhūtā means elements. <coughs> elements are my manifestation. I am present in all the devatas. The devatas also are my manifestation. As yajnam, yajna also is my manifestation. Karma also is my manifestation. Adhyātma, the individual, also is my manifestation. Now you, when you go home, then see what else remains now. Does this cover everything or something remains? Adhibhūta, Adideva, Adhyātma. Adhyātma, individual. Adhibhūta, the universe. Adhideva divine. The individual plane, the, the plane of the world, and the divine plane and also includes karma, the very cause. Yajna, the, the sacrificial actions. And Brahman, that transcends everything. So these are the five manifestations of Brahman. The transcendental truth manifests as immanence. So immanence of the Ishvara is described as adhyātmam, as karma, adhibhuta adhidaiva, adhiyajna. So Brahman, that is the truth, manifests as these fivefold manifestations, they know me in the totality. So understand that wise people know Ishvara not only as transcendent but as, as immanent. Immanent in the world also, in divine forces also, in jnana also, in the self also. So you remember what was said in the beginning? By knowing which everything as well becomes known. So Lord Krishna says, my devotees, the wise people, recognize me everywhere. So what is meant by knowing everything is recognizing Ishvara everywhere. The wise people know everything, not in the sense of how many elements are, how many, as I said, grains of sand are there, but they know everything as they see the Lord everywhere. Vasudeva, Sarvamiti. What is Sarvam? They say it here, Adhyatmam, Karma, Adi bhutam, adhi devam, adi yajnam, that's sarva, all of that. In all these manifestations, they see me. <coughs> this, this is called knowledge. When Ishvara is known both as immanent as well as transcendent. With <coughs> no means, means they gain abundance in the knowledge. In their vision, there is nothing but Ishvara. But Swami, what happens at the time of death? Rayana Kale Pichamam. Te yukta ceta Inasmuch as yukta sahar, those whose mind is focused on me, because they know me as one non-dual. In their mind there is none other than me. Prayana Kalebi. even a time of death also. Te viduhu. they know me, meaning that in the time of death also they don't miss me. I do not disappear from him even a time of death. So that's what Lord Krishna says, they continue to know me because know me is the self. Even at the time of death, also something happens to the body, even the self is known as Brahman. Everything is known as the self. Meaning that this knowledge does not go away even at the time of death, even the process of death, which may be very painful, that also does not deny this knowledge. And the these last one and a half verses are introduction to the whole eighth chapter. And these ideas are going to be elaborated in the 8th chapter. Where well, Lord Krishna will say, Why the question about death? Lord Krishna says, Whatever is the last thought that determines your subsequent destination. But for this wise person, the last thought also will be the same as Brahman. I am Brahman. Why is it so? Sadatat Bhavita. Because he always entertained that thought. Therefore, that is only thought. All other thoughts are modification of this thought. Even thoughts come, but in all of that, this is always there. I am Brahman. Like right now, all the thoughts come to me, but in that, I am Jiva. That is always there. Never forget. You also, whatever thoughts come, in that is contained this knowledge, I am Brahman. And therefore, even when Risha Brahmi sthitikpārta, naina parsimamuchadhi, Sthitvāsya amantakālaipi brahmadirvāna mṛcchadehi. when it is brahmadirvāna, meaning total oneness with brahmadirvāna. <coughs> That's called videha mukte. They are liberated even while they are alive, and they continue to remain, continue to remain liberated even after that. <coughs> that way this seventh chapter called jñāna-vijñāna. jnana means vijñāna, means is manifold manifestation. O jnana ka manivi means, the knowledge of Ishvara and Vijnanam is a very bhakti, the means by which Ishvara is known. So both of these have been... In both ways, these expressed terms gnana and Vijnanam have been very beautifully delineated in this chapter. Therefore this chapter is called Jnana-Vijnanayoga. Yoga. There is no... Nomenclature it is very informal. Jnana-teham sa Vijnanam, That's how the verse begin. So chapter is named jnana Vijnana Yoga. The chapter seventh, of which the title is Jnana, or subject matter is jñānaṁ and Vijnana. So let us read the last Sankal Vakya <laughs> Om Tatsadel, Om Tatsadel, It is Shri Madhagavad Gita Su, Upanishad Su, Brahma Vidyaya. Yoga-shastre. Yoga-shastre. Shri Krishna Arjuna Sambade, Shri
1: Krishna Arjuna Sambade,
0: Vijnana Vignana Yogonama, Ynana Vignana Yogona, Sattamod, Sattamodayana. Umtatsat idi in this manner, Srimad Bhagavad gita su so this the divine song of the Lord. Upanishadsu, which is nothing but so many Upanishads. Brahma Vidyayam, whose main topic, subject matter is Brahma the knowledge of Brahman. Yoga Shastra, which also gives, explains the yoga, which is a means of the knowledge. Sri Krishna, Arjuna Sambhade, which Bhagavad Gita is in the form of the Sambhada, the dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. Jnana Vidyana Yoga Dama. the chapter titled Jnana Vidyana Yoga. Saptamodhyaya, the seventh chapter, thus concluded. <coughs> Sarvadharman Parityaja. Sarvadharman
1: Parityaja. Mame come
0: sharanam raja. Mame come sharanam raja. Ahantwasarva pape gya.
1: Ahantwasarva pape gya.
0: Moksha yishyami ma shucha. Moksha
1: Mokshayashyam
0: Om Purna Mother, Purna Milam, Purna, Purna Mudache, Purna Siapo, Namada, Om Santish, Santish, Sankaram, Sankaracharyam, Keshavam, Badarayanam. Sūtra-bhāśyakṛtao-vandai bhagavantau-punat-punaha Īśvaro-gururātmedhi nūrti-bheda-vibhāgine vyoma-vadhyātta-dehāya Om śānti